Adam and Melissa, thank you. Okay, well, good morning. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you all today. We thoroughly enjoyed being with the youth yesterday, and uh, the morning service was also wonderful. So thank you again for the opportunity. Well, as uh, was said, we're Adam and Melissa Hoffman. Uh, we've got a 13-month-old daughter who's in the nursery care with us as well. So we're the Hoffman family. We're on staff at the U.S. Center for World Mission, and I'll explain more of how we got there. Our current assignment with them is with a one-year-of-college program called Insight. And that's basically 36 units of credit for students who go through it. We study all of history from a global perspective in one year, really asking the questions, what is God doing? What is his character, and how do we see that fulfilled in the timeline of history? So the major studies that we do are theology, missiology, and then under that, uh, history, anthropology, philosophy, uh, world religions, and I'm probably missing a few. It's comprehensive. We've been in California for the past four years, uh, but grew up on the Outer Banks of North Carolina, so we basically went from one beach close to another. Uh, it's hard for us being an hour away from the beach and actually considering that close. Close is about two minutes. You can smell the ocean, you hear it all day. So uh, we were spoiled, but we still consider ourselves beach bumps. So I've been asked to share two main things. Uh, the first one is, why did we choose mission work? And so a large part of what we'll do is share our story and how we got to where we are today. And then uh, we're also going to talk on what is God doing in the world today? What can we be excited about? Uh, what can we praise God for? And what can we join him in what he's doing uh, to see the, the rest of God's people come to a knowledge of who he is? So when we talk about our story, uh, my story begins with resistance, and Melissa's story begins uh, with faithfulness, and so I'll have her start. Uh, good morning. Uh, so my story starts back um, when I was a teenager in high school. I was blessed to be able to take a trip um, down into Bolivia with a team that was partnering with local churches and doing outreach and evangelism and local parks and squares. And um, on that trip, I saw and experienced things that I just never had realized before. It was amazing, and my eyes were totally open uh, to what God was doing and could do um, through people that were willing to be a part of what he's doing. Um, my, my family would say at that point is when I caught the mission bug that's when it kind of captured me. Um, when I went to college, I ended up studying Christian leadership and uh, major or minored in missions. Sorry, it's messing with my notes. Um, in, in that process, being a focus in missions, one, I had one professor that taught like eight of my classes because he was the missions professor. And every class that he taught, he began with a study of Genesis 12. And it seems like a not your typical go-to mission verse. Most people would go to the end of Matthew. Um, but this is really the beginning of the biblical understanding of missions um, there in Genesis 12. And this is when God calls Abram, later Abraham, but at this point he doesn't have any kids, so he's still Abram. 
Um, he calls Abram out in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and he tells him to leave your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. I will bless you. I will make you have a great name. I will give, be, create you into a great nation. And he says all these things that he's going to give Abram. But then he ends it with this phrase. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham wasn't just like, hey, I get a great name. I get to be a great nation. This is really awesome. There was a reason. There was a purpose behind it. Abram was blessed to be a blessing. There was a purpose behind it. Um, And this is the study that he would do with this at the beginning of every class that I had with him. And so it was drilled into my head um, that this is what was now required of us. As we come into the family of faith, we become children of Abraham and children of the promise. And so therefore, now we are blessed to be a blessing. All the families of the earth will be blessed through us, the children of Abraham. And so it really hit me. And I told God, wherever you want to go, I'll go. Send me out. Um, Over the next few years of college, I began to really, he began to show me what skills and talents that he was giving me, and I could see how he was going to use those. I had it in my head that all of this was leading to me living overseas. Uh, Then a new challenge came about. What if I stayed? Why would, why would God even ask that of me? I want to go. I'm willing to go. Why would that even be an option to stay? Uh, but the idea or the challenge was I could go and be one or two a family um, working overseas. Or I could stay and I could share this mission's vision that I had been given with 100 people thousand people and send them out or send them on to be mobilizers and mobilize even more people and this began to work in my heart I really wasn't a fan at first because I really wanted to go and I just assumed that when you get the missions bug you're supposed to go like that that's you know you're not obeying unless you go Uh, and so that was kind of where I was going so I really wrestled with this idea um, that God would want me to stay here Um, and do a kind of a different role in missions that I hadn't really experienced before. Eventually I listened and obeyed uh, and realized that the gifts and talents that he was giving me that I'd been learning through college were perfectly aligned for this role of mobilizing and teaching and casting vision. Um, Yeah. So after college, uh, after I graduated, I moved back with my family in North Carolina, began dating Adam. Uh, And he seemed interested in missions, but it wasn't like his main thing. And so uh, at that time, I was blessed to pick up an internship with the U.S. Center for Mission at a regional office in North Carolina. And I began to work with a course called Perspectives. Uh, This course aims to teach local believers God's heart for the nations and what he's doing around the world and how then they can get involved and be a part of that. At this time, Adam and I were engaged, so I forcefully encouraged, you know, him to take the course with me uh, because I was slightly teaching. Um, And that class, us being involved in that together, totally transformed our lives. Uh, It was amazing. 
Um, I'll let Adam kind of share how it affected him personally because there's some great transformation there. Um, but for me, it solidified my calling to be a mobilizer. I was convinced that if I could just tell people about the need that was in the world, when they would hear that there's still places that have no access to the gospel, even if they had a dream in the middle of the night and Jesus came to them and said, go find my word, they, could, they, they wouldn't find it. It wouldn't be in their language. They wouldn't be able to find a church. That there's still places like that in the world. I knew if I could get that message out to my fellow believers in body, that they would respond. Um, that they would begin to go and to give and to pray and to be a part of this great mission work. Um, I knew if they could hear God's heart for the nations, that that would resonate and they would begin to get involved and they would fall in love with that just as much as I had. That's what, that's everything that we wanted to be about and it just, that whole experience just really solidified that in my heart. Um, and I'll let Adam kind of explain what it did to him. Yeah, I think she understated the impact that uh, learning those things had on my life. It was, I mean, probably the most second dramatic turn of my life, second only to coming to Christ in the first place. Uh, in a lot of ways, I was living a very immature, just kind of a, a Christian name life. Um, I, I, I was asking some good questions, but my heart wasn't, wasn't all there. Uh, it was more about how could God serve me, not what is, what is God doing. I, I was actually looking to, to come to Pasadena to, to study uh, with a PhD in psychology, thinking that, that God could use me in, in that way. So we take this course, and again, I wasn't really excited about it. I was already in college, and then why would I take another course where I'd have to read and listen to lectures? Um, so if it wasn't for Melissa, even if we were just dating, I would have backed out. I would have said, there's no way that, that you're forcing me into this. Uh, and even after the first couple of nights, I was trying to find a way out. I don't know if I actually told you that or not. Uh, because it was painful. God was... God wasn't just pricking me. He, he was taking a sledgehammer out and smashing me over the head. And I didn't like that, so I wanted to run away. I, I grew up in a non-Christian home, and so uh, I came from brokenness. And I had so many misconceptions about what God was trying to do or how this whole mission stream worked. Um, I had no idea. So this course, in a lot of ways, was also premarital counseling for us. Because uh, we were able to talk through a lot of these issues and, and get to the bottom. Uh, and it was probably the best premarital class that we had. So, so for me, there, there were really five things that, uh, again, God sledgehammered me with. Uh, the first one is that the Great Commission isn't just about one little passage in the Bible. Uh, Melissa referred to that Matthew 28 passage as the go-to passage. And I didn't see it as just the go-to passage. I saw it as the only passage. And if there's only one passage in all of Scripture about missions, then God doesn't really care about it. That was my misconception. I then realized that from Genesis to Revelation, everywhere in between, God's heart, the full theme, all of Scripture is about redeeming all peoples back to him. I just didn't see it. I was just blind to it, or I ignored it. So knowing that, that missions was the point of the Bible 
I started to make some changes in my life. Another thing that I, I, I saw that I didn't see before was that the Bible wasn't just about me. I kind of shared that I, I was living as if uh, the Bible was written for me and God was kind of my, my personal God who was there to, to just bless me. I didn't get the whole uh, second part that Melissa shared so that he could use me to bless other people. So I found out that God was really about his glory and about his name and about bringing people back to him. And so when I found that out, it was kind of the, the next step was, well, if that's what you're about, I guess that's what I should be about as well. And again, that was a major change in my life. Growing up in America, I had always thought that there were just churches everywhere in the world. I, I grew up in a non-Christian home, and I knew where all the churches were. I just decided never to walk into one. Um, and so that's how I thought the whole world was, that everywhere in the world that people had opportunities to go to a church, but it was just their decision whether or not to. So then I found out that the whole world isn't like Pasadena, that it isn't like where we are. I actually looked it up. There's six other churches within a one-mile radius of this place. And I just assumed that, again, the whole world was like that. So finding out, hold up, there's actual places where if someone wanted to go to church, they couldn't, that was shocking. That it wasn't about just a person's decision, it was about opportunity or access, that changed the game for me. If people don't have access, then they don't have the ability to respond. And so we're not trying to uh, convince people of something that they don't want to believe in bringing in a foreign religion or even a foreign culture. We're trying to give them an opportunity to learn truth. And there's places where that truth is suppressed. So that was the third game changer for me. I had this other misconception that missionaries and pastors and anybody who does full-term Christian ministry were, were, were superheroes, that there was this holiness standard that I would never reach, and so I wasn't going to try, and I wasn't going to assume that I could ever be in that class of superhero Christians. And now it's true that, that I, there, there is a, a certain lifestyle, there, there is a certain honor, but the standard isn't way up here. God has given us what it takes to do those things. And really what I was saying is that, God, it, it's, it's, it's more about me, and here's all the things that I can't do, and I can uh, just fill up a whole bucket full of the things that I can't do. And God responded to me like he did with some of the Old Testament prophets, is that it's not about you. It's not about whatever limitations you think you have. I can overcome all of them, and I just need your willingness. And so then when it was more about my willingness than about my ability, uh, that, that helped me to, to bridge the gap, to, to jump on over. The last thing is that, uh, and it, it kind of encapsulates all of this, is that it wasn't that I needed to find out what God wanted me to do. In that, I was really the center. It, it was really about what can God do for me and how can I feel good about myself in the Christian world. Uh, that's kind of how I looked upon vocation or calling or church or all those things. It was, it was, okay, well, I've got this new crowd of people to impress. And so if I'm a missionary, then I get like the highest status. And again, just falling right into place with that earlier misconception that I had. 
But in discovering these other things, I really learned that it's, it's not about me. It's about what God is doing. And so the question isn't, uh, how does God want me to, um, or what does God want me to do? But the question is, what is God doing? What are the things that he's involved with? And then where has he gifted me to participate? And that's God-centered. That's God-focused. That's about him and his glory and what he's doing instead of just me. And that's handing over my limitations and saying, you know what, I don't think I can do this, but I'm going to trust you that you can in spite of me. So from that point on, after we took this course together, we really were on the... Oh, sorry. We, uh, we were pretty much on the same page from this point on. We'll always be open to God sending us overseas. That's always on the table. Um, but we know that God has us here sharing this mission, vision, raising up others to get involved and to go into the unreached areas. We know that that is what God has called us to at this time. Uh, we came up with a vision statement after this. To open people's eyes to what God is doing in the world and helping them see their place in God's global mission. That is what we want everything that our family does to be about. Everything that we decide as a family will be centered around that vision. Um, so we knew what God was calling us to do. The question was, what agency or where would we go and do it? Uh, and so we looked into several places and agencies, and we really liked them all. Um, at this point, we were still engaged, and marriage seemed a little ways off, and we figured we had plenty of time to, you know, talk it out and decide uh, as we went along. Um, and so we decided to table the conversation. Okay, let's not, you know, argue or converse about this forever, and let's just kind of let it sit for a little while, and we'll pick it up later and decide. And then that night... Uh, through prayer, um, God really showed Adam that our family was to join with the U.S. Center for World Mission. Um, and so I just trusted that that's what God was leading and trusted his leadership and said, okay, let's do it. Uh, and so we joined up with the U.S. Center for World Mission, um, and that's what ended up bringing us out here to Pasadena. Uh, but in summary, God, God really used understanding his purposes and the realities of the world to show us how we had to participate in some way. The question was, why did we choose mission? Uh, my answer would be, what else could we do? How else could we respond to the message that we had heard and the vision that he had given us, but to be a part somehow of helping the nations to hear the gospel? And so we are blessed that God has been able to use us full time um, in doing this type of mobilizing work. Um, and we, we just really feel blessed to be a part of what God is doing around the world um, and just love that and love inviting people to join with us in that role. And just to add on to that, uh, it, it is true in our case that we are devoting our full time to this, but we still believe those truths to be true, that everyone, no matter what you're occupation, what your age, what your, uh, wh whatever barrier you want to say, God, I can't do it, uh, that, that it would be more about him and what he's doing, and that you would be able to find a way to utilize what he's given you to participate in what that is. So the second thing I want to share is, okay, well, what is God doing in the world? What is he doing on the mission field? Uh, and 
I would have to say that we're in a really exciting time. In my mind, this is the most exciting time post-ACTS. Uh, here's some examples. Uh, we often hear about the Muslim world in the news, but what we don't hear is how many of them are actually coming to Christ. In the past 30 years, more people from the Muslim world have come to Christ than in the, than in the previous 13 centuries combined. I mean, God has really amped up his blessing amongst those people and bringing people into a knowledge of who he is. Uh, he's doing it a lot through vision and dreams. He's going to these people, even if they don't have a, a Christian presence, and saying, I, I want you to follow me. And then our part is to be obedient and responsive. And when those people hear that message, that they'd be able to find someone who would be able to tell them more of the truth. We've heard stories of, of people from a Muslim background who have ha, had one of these visions. And they were actively searching for a Christian that they could hear more about or that they could get a Bible. And the story that we heard, this, this guy was living in, in Pakistan. And he said, oh, I hear there's Christians in India. So he went to India, couldn't find anybody there. He heard, okay, well, I, I heard that there's some in this city. So he travels to this city and he can't find any there. So he's actively searching. And then our friend randomly meets up with this guy in an airport uh, on happenstance, uh, maybe not so happenstance, depending on your view of God, um, and is able to present him with a Bible. Um, but the Bible that he was able to present him with wasn't in his language. And so the conversation was kind of short, and there wasn't a whole lot. And so we still pray for this guy, who we don't even know his name, that, that he has found someone who can share more of the truth. But people from the Muslim world are wanting Christ and are wanting to come to him, more so than we've seen. We've talked around the idea of, of unreached people groups or uh, clusters of, of whole peoples without the access to the gospel. And in the past few years, there has been more progress on seeing these people have this access, on seeing churches birthed in these areas. Uh, Estimates say that there's about 25,000 of these individual groups. And for a while, it used to be that there were about 10,000 that were considered unreached. And recently, uh, surveys showed that this number might be down to towards 6,000. And so in, in a period of about a decade or so, more people are having access to Christ. Another thing that God is doing is working in languages. There's about 7,000 languages in the world. And out of those, there remains about 2,200 that don't have the scripture translated yet. But there's a goal that by 2025, which is just around the corner, that uh, workers would be implanted in these places and translations would be started. And so soon, we might be able to say that everyone at least can have access in their language. Now, getting them to that point is the other thing. The, the generation previous to mine saw the, the number of Christians in the non-Western world rise above the Christians in the Western world. So as of about 20, 30 years ago, there were more Christians outside of the Western world than in the Western world, which was the first time since the beginning, and it swayed back now. 
And now we're even seeing in my generation that more workers are being sent out from those non-Western worlds than from the Western world. And so God is moving. God is doing things. God is using his global church to bring about a global movement. And it's more than about just us, but he gives us the privilege to participate with him. Along with that, we see uh, how God is using globalization and migration to bring the nations to America. Los Angeles might be one of the most culturally diverse places in America. It's tremendous that over 100 languages are spoken in homes uh, of children that go to school in the LA Unified District. There's pockets of people everywhere. I mean, we talk about Little Tokyo, we talk about Little India. There's all these places where where the nations have come. And some of these places uh, don't have the gospel in their homeland, but they're here amongst us now. And so what an opportunity to be able to not have to go over an ocean to see these people, but across a street, across a town, and to have access into these people's lives. For instance, the the nearest Islamic center is about a mile that way. And then there's a massive Thai Buddhist temple just up the road here. So these places and these people are right among us. And while in, in our economy and with our job situations, it might be unpractical to say that God would call us overseas. He may. But it would be easier to say that he would, again, call us to these places that are right here amongst us. With that, we also have international students. America's education system is one that is desired. And so the nations are coming to us in places where they don't have access and even where access is limited. And in a lot of ways, these international students are wanting relationships with with Westerners. Uh, It's it's a sense of longing, or excuse me, a sense of belonging is part of it, Uh, but then they also want to learn English. And so we can use those desires in their heart to share the message of hope and truth with them. But so far, we as a church haven't been effective in this. About 75% of international students never enter into an American's home, and about 80% of international students never enter an American church. But how easy can we uh, go to university campus or have them in our home or uh, just invite them to the grocery store with us? Simple things. So these people are here among us. And there's things that we can do even now. To God be the glory. You know, when we were speaking with the youth yesterday, um, we shared a lot of the same things that we shared today. Um, But we gave them a challenge. We specifically told them to not buy the lie that says you are too young and you are too inexperienced to do anything of worth. So just go have fun. Hang out with your friends, and then when you become an adult, then you can do something important. That is a lie, and they are powerful, um, and they have the ability to change the world. And I would say the same things to you. Um, We want to challenge you guys to not buy into the lie that um, you've already chosen your path in life, and so you can't change and do something new, or that you're too old and that 
all of this moving around the world and doing stuff is for the younger kids. Um, those are lies. God has given you specific experiences, specific talents. He's given you wisdom and skills. Everything that you've experienced in life, he can use that to bless the nations. He can use you specifically to reach out to someone who has never heard the gospel, to walk alongside them in their life, and to share how, what Jesus means to you and how he's impacted your life. You can do that. You can be a part of blessing the nations, and it's what we're called to do. So we just pray and we ask that you would let that challenge kind of sit in your hearts, that you would begin to ask God, okay, what do I have? What have you given me? What are my resources? How can you use me to bless the nations? Because we know that that's what he wants to do. He wants to be in relationship with all of creation, people from every nation, and he wants to use us. We just have to be willing.